Bullet is adapted from a quick read novel, Mute Witness, written in 1963 by crime author Robert L. Pike, whose real name was Robert L. Fish. The differences between the book and the movie are enormous, not least of which are the name of the central character and the setting. As we know, the movie takes place in San Francisco and has a Lieutenant Frank Bullet as its lead character. Fish's novel, on the other hand, centres on Lieutenant Clancy, a world-weary New York detective assigned to protect a member of the Mafia until he testifies in a mob trial. Also, in contrast to Fish's tough-talking, no-nonsense Clancy, McQueen's Bullet barely talks at all. As you know, there's a Senate subcommittee hearing here Monday. I have a star witness who needs protection. Sam said that you were the man for the job. And I can't find a flaw in that statement. Protection from who? The organization. His name is Ross. Johnny Ross from Chicago. Once and for all, the top men in law enforcement are united. We're going to expose the organization. Rights of the novel had been acquired by TV producer Philip D'Antoni, who got incredibly lucky when he approached and secured the interest of Steve McQueen. McQueen wasn't interested in Fish's novel, but he was very interested in cars and frequently expressed an open contempt for the way in which car chases were handled on screen. McQueen had seen an English picture, Robbery, that was about the great train robbery of 1963. McQueen liked the fact that the film's director, Peter Yates, had shot the entire film on location, and it was that commitment to realism that prompted McQueen to ask Yates to direct Bullet. Mr. Chalmers said you'd be here by five. He guaranteed me that. Oh, uh, sorry, we got held up uh, traffic. Got any firearms? No, man, I got nothing on me. It's my wallet. Some red lighter. You want to check me out yourself? No, no, that's not necessary. Put that stuff on the bed, will you, please? How did you, uh, how did you get here from Chicago? I flew. Sure none of the boys were on the plane with you or saw you get on? How would I know? I wouldn't know. Mm-hmm. How come you picked this room to hold on? I didn't pick it. Chalmers picked it. Why? Stay away from those windows. That's why. By the time Yates arrived in New York, the bullet script had switched setting from New York to Los Angeles. But scouting for locations, Yates quickly decided that between all the films and TV detective shows already filmed in L.A., the city was too familiar to audiences. So he went north to San Francisco. Once there, Yates and McQueen began ripping apart the story to facilitate an idea they had that would act as a centerpiece for the picture. McQueen had confessed to Yates that he didn't think all that much of himself as an actor, that he was more a reactor and that the less he had to say, the better. McQueen was only partially right. He had incredible charisma, and his presence alone spoke a lot more than chunks of dialogue. So, instead of doing a lot of wisecracks and police interrogations, Yates and McQueen decided to create an action sequence that would, to misquote Michael Caine in The Italian Job, blow the bloody doors off everything that had gone before. What the hell is going on here? A high-speed pursuit? Two men are killed? An officer in the hospital, a witness almost murdered. Now, I want to know what's happening, and I want to know now. Let's hear it straight. Here's a report. Now, a man like Chalmers could be a great help to the department. He could speak for us where it counts. He could fight for us in the legislature. 
Now, you have got to turn over his witness. Where's Ross? Tell him. That's an order. He's dead. Bullet is now 45 years old, and as it slips into middle age, when it comes to the car chase, few movies can match it. Certainly, some films have brilliant car chases. The French Connection, for example, which, coincidentally, was also produced by Philip D'Antoni. Then you have Ronan, Death Proof, and any of the three Jason Bourne pictures. But we've got to remember that they all had Bullet to measure as their yardstick. Bullet had nothing to compare itself to. As Yates and McQueen were dreaming up the chase and hiring the drivers, stunt coordinators and safety marshals, they were all making it up as they went. In fact, when they started filming, McQueen was intent on doing his own driving. That was until he took a corner far too tight and far too fast and almost lost complete control of the car. It was then that the Warner Brothers executives stepped in and made it clear that their star and the film's most prized asset would no longer be exposed to any such risks. So out stepped McQueen and in jumped the stunt drivers. Because of Yates's commitment to realism and McQueen's devotion to speed, the decision was made to capture the chase in real time. Before Bullet, the standard way to convey speed on film was to undercrank the camera, which means you drive your car at 40 miles an hour and use a rate of 18 or 16 frames per second instead of the usual 24. That way, when you project the footage on screen, the movement appears faster and so you look as though you're driving at 60 miles an hour. Bullet's 11-minute car chase was groundbreaking and is still breathtaking simply because Yates and McQueen wanted to shoot 24 frames a second and that meant they went up to speeds of 110 miles per hour. On top of that, you then have sawn-off shotguns blasting away, shattering windshields and side mirrors. It happens on camera with no tricks and no effects. And as if that were enough, the chase was not taking place in the controlled environment of the studio backlot. This was real time, in real space, on real streets. The chases in the French Connection, Ronan and the Jason Bourne series may surpass Bullet in terms of excitement and danger, but none of them have managed to break new ground proportionate to what Bullet did. When it comes to car chases, it is all either BB or AB, before Bullet and after Bullet. The chase sequence begins so slowly, so quietly, so casually, it's not even a chase at all. Bullet gets into his Ford Mustang, spots a car is following him, and drives away. Next thing we know, we're inside the car of the gangsters. They have Bullet in their sights, and Bullet gently turns a corner, and, wanting to make the same turn, the gunmen have to wait for the oncoming traffic to pass. They make the turn, but aren't too sure where Bullet has gone but they keep going anyway. And now there comes what is for me one of the most exquisite shots in the entire history of cinema. We are still in the villain's car, looking out through their front windscreen. We see the street ahead of us, all in focus, including the rearview mirror. And now something has appeared in it. From up over the crest of the hill behind us comes Bullet's Ford Mustang. The hunted is now the hunter, and the chase is on. As far as I'm concerned, the emergence of Bullet's car in the rearview mirror 
is right up there with Omar Sharif's entrance in Lawrence of Arabia, Claudia Cardinale's walk into the train station in Once Upon a Time in the West, and finally, the reverse zoom that Spielberg used in Jaws. As we know, Spielberg cribbed the reverse zoom from Hitchcock's Vertigo. And now I want to talk about that because, well, Vertigo is also set in San Francisco. There have been several top-class thrillers set in that city. Hitchcock's Vertigo and Coppola's The Conversation. I would happily include David Fincher's Zodiac, but that's not really a thriller. Some people would include Dirty Harry, which used the real-life case of the Zodiac as a springboard for its own plot. But I find Dirty Harry to be nasty, not only in terms of its content, but its form and tone. Thankfully, however, there is John Borman's brilliant Point Blank. Admittedly, only part of it is set in San Francisco, but the European arthouse sensibility Borman brought to the city's landscapes is still a lesson in how to turn a revenge story into an abstract painting about alienation. But anyway, back to Hitchcock. I know it sounds very indulgent, but what I like to do is play Hitchcock's Vertigo against Yeats's Bullet to compare and contrast how the same event, Pursuit, can be presented. The best way to judge this is to take the sequence in Vertigo, where Scotty, played by James Stewart, follows Madeline, played by Kim Novak, as she drives around the city. It is a slow and languorous journey, and all part of the great deception that Hitchcock is playing on the audience. Then what I do is put on Bullet, and play it alongside on a second screen at the same time. Like Vertigo, the pursuit in Bullet is completely without dialogue, but the differences between the two could not be more pronounced. Vertigo uses rear projection, while Bullet uses no tricks at all. And that should give you an indication as to how fast and how far into the future Bullet raced. There are many other great elements to the film, McQueen's cool charisma, but also we must not forget the editing. Frank P. Keller had until then worked almost exclusively in television, and one of his great decisions on cutting Bullet was to deliver the chase completely without music. The only sounds you hear are the roar of the engines and the screeches of the tyres as they careen around the corners. And so it was Keller's ability to find the rhythm of the pictures and location sounds only that won him an Oscar. 